Hello, you lovely lot. I wanted to take a moment to share an exciting announcement with you all. I will be doing a live show for Happy Mum, Happy Baby at the podcast show in London on the 22nd of May. This will be a live episode of this very podcast featuring me and a very special soon-to-be-announced guest. Get ready for a candid conversation, unfiltered truths, laughs, invaluable non-judgmental advice and lived experiences. Dive into the complexities of parenting while juggling work, relationships and personal growth and we'll be talking beyond the baby years. As well as the live episode, the show will also include a Q&A with both me and my guest. Tickets go on sale this Friday the 26th of April at 10am, but anyone who is part of the Happy Mum, Happy Baby newsletter will be getting early access to tickets on Wednesday the 24th of April at 10am. To sign up to the newsletter and for more information about the event, please head to happymumhappybaby.com forward slash events. I can't wait to see you there. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to another episode of Happy Mum, Happy Baby, the podcast. Today, it's another dad. Series three is bringing you dads. I can't believe it. I know. Today's guest is an operations director for a consultancy firm, but you won't know him as that, probably. You'll know him from Instagram and his hilarious posts and the fact that he's just written a book called Forever Outnumbered. It is... Simon Hooper, known as Father of Daughters. Fod! <laughs> Hi there, thank you for having me on. Thanks for coming. Did you like your introduction? I did. It's really interesting, I think, hearing stuff from a dad's point of view because you don't always hear a dad's side. Well, that was the whole thinking behind my Instagram. Originally, yeah. I used Instagram as the same way as many guys do, which is taking photos of holidays or stuff that they like or cars or out with the lads for the night or whatever. Yeah. Then I realised it can be used for something else because I was watching Clemmy build this community of mm. mums online and they were all talking about honest parenting. I thought, this is great, but there's zero dad's voices yeah. involved at all. And I thought, well, I'm, I think I'm 
relatively funny in terms of the way that I write as well. So maybe I could do something interesting and talk about honest parenting from a dad's perspective. And that's where it all came from. The reason why you stand out, why you are so far beyond, I guess, you are literally the standalone dad. Well, really, apart, apart from your husband, I well, think, yeah, maybe. He's a pop star. He doesn't really, you know. <laughs> I like the way you completely dismissed him then. Yeah, he's a pop star. But, it doesn't matter. But you put, with your post, you've got so much care, wit, detail. It feels like it's not throwaway. It's yeah. thought-provoking. It's turning those mundane situations that we all face hmm. and turning them into something hilarious for us all to... Yeah, well, I, I wanted to be able to laugh at our lives because yeah. if you don't laugh sometimes, you just end up curling up in a ball and dying under the stairs somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> so, so you, know, you just want to cry. So it's also a, a defensive mechanism for me as well. I overcome stress by making jokes yeah. and, and poking fun at myself. This has been a great outlet for me to do that. And weirdly, Instagram has turned into this kind of therapy thing for myself to be able to get things out that I otherwise might have stored up. Men aren't traditionally great at sharing how they feel. And I've actually found this a great way of being able to talk about it. The way that you do, I guess, you're sharing and you're doing it with humour and emotion. There are There is emotion in there. Yeah. But it's not like, oh, I have to be... You're not like... No. It's done in a certain gushy, way. You don't have to be gushy all the time about your family because half the time your family are a pain in the arse. <laughs> it's OK to say that but because we all love them underneath. Yeah. The struggle is sometimes just finding that balance. Like, what should I be posting? What should I be talking about? But... The whole thing that I try and focus on is doing a photo from the day. I don't want to store things up. And people always say, oh, you must have like 20 or 30 photos just saved yeah, up yeah, yeah. for when you want to post something. I haven't. They're genuinely from the day. And yeah. then I write my post about 8 o'clock in the evening. I post at 8.30 when most parents have sat down with a glass of something after a long day and kids are kind of relatively asleep in bed. So, yeah, that's how it's kind of grown to where it is. But if you said to me two years ago, you're going to have 860,000 followers on Instagram... I would have told you to go away and I wouldn't have believed you. So, Is it quite surreal? Yeah, I guess it is. On my way here, someone came up to me and said, Oh, Fod! And it, it's, it's that getting recognised thing that I'm starting yeah. to get used to. I always find I'm the one then leading the conversation because that person has interrupted you or, or come over to say hello, which is lovely. I love meeting people and I love talking to people. But that's all they've got to say, yeah. which is, Oh, I follow you on Instagram. Okay. <laughs> and then I'll say, oh, so what's your name? What are you doing? That's a fun. I'm leading the conversation now. What's happened? <laughs> so, yeah, it's just something I'm getting used to, I guess. Clemmy did say when she was on, so obviously you're married to mother or daughter, Clemmy, and uh, she said that regularly you're walking down the street and people shout out, oi, fod. Yeah, it's like the equivalent of the builder's whistle, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but 90% but of my followers are women, so it's usually women. <laughs> so it's the reverse. I see the sexes are equaling out in different ways, obviously. Yeah. And obviously you have four daughters. Yeah, I do. How yeah. did this happen? I've learned being married to a midwife and just by reading that as you start to have more children of the same sex, the likelihood of you having a different sex, it's not 50-50 anymore. Yeah. You're, you're genetically predisposed to having a certain sex. And I was kind of holding out for the boy and I was like, yeah, I still like the idea of a boy, but I know what I'm doing with girls, so we'll see where it goes. And then, of course, I've got two additional girls. So, yeah, now it's four girls plus Clemmy, so that's five girls and, and me. And you are forever outnumbered. Well, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> we, we actually spoke about getting a dog the other day and Clemmy said, but it has to be a girl. <laughs> what are you doing to me? Why is there so little testosterone in this house? Can I get a boy fish? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I probably will, won't I? Or I can name my bike a male name or something. Oh, Fun. Simon. I don't want to complain about it. I'm happy with my girls. I know what I'm doing with girls. And I've also carved out a role for myself in terms of 
what I should be doing with girls. Like I should be a role model for mm. what men should be in their life. And the idea is to set the benchmark so high that no future boyfriends ever compare and they all just get kicked out straight away. But we'll, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> I'm sure you're doing wonders. Well, I'm trying. <laughs> Things started a long time ago for you too, didn't they? Uh, yeah, so we've been together for... Well, this is our 10-year wedding anniversary but yeah. we've been together for 12 years. So mm-hmm. it wasn't a long time between Clemmie and I meeting and us having Anya. Yeah. But we met last year of university. Clemmie was in Bristol and I was at Bath University and I'd come back for the summer. We'd gone to the local student haunt nightclub. There's one in every town. Yeah. They're, they're renowned for hookups and just sticky floors. No and the toilet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and just jugs of vodka Red Bull sold for three quid and paralytic people walking around that's where we met sounds so romantic yeah it was and my chat up line to Clemmie was she was standing on the side by the bar and she was kind of sitting on a a seat with no shoes on don't know where it came from walked up and I said you know what you need you need some shoals party feet and she was like what (laughs) I was like uh hi my name's Simon (laughs) that was my in that was the best I could come up with I was so shouting that over music yeah 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 but it seemed to work and then we kind of got dancing and we had a kiss at the end of the evening and kind of took it from there I actually went to a house party after that and Clemmie asked if she and her friends could come Mm. and I said no because it's a boys night (laughs) no give me your number and I'll call you tomorrow But then she got her own back the next day because she couldn't remember what I looked like. So I had to send her a picture message of myself so she could remind herself. And the one that I picked was me having just come out of the shower and shaved my chest (laughs) because I was an idiot. (laughs) But this is good, isn't it? So anyway, but we still lasted the distance and here we are now. (laughs) And was it 18 months after that that she fell pregnant? Uh, Yes. So we'd finished university and Mm -hmm. we moved into a flat together. I think I told Clemmie I was in love with her two weeks after I met her. And I actually told her she was my girlfriend rather than asked. (laughs) I said, you're my girlfriend now. Nice. Which doesn't come across creepy at all, does it? But yeah, so things moved quickly and we moved in together maybe about uh, a year after being together in a little basement flat in Bristol in Clifton. And things changed very quickly. We were I was just doing a kind of tied-me-over job before I moved to London, trying to make ends meet. And Clemmie had just started out on her career in midwifery. And then suddenly I came home from work one day and Clemmie said, uh, I need you to sit down. I was like, oh, God, what is it? We can't afford the gas or something. And she said, I'm, I'm, I'm pregnant. And I remember my, I'm getting a dry mouth thinking about it. This is, this is crazy. Um, the, <laughs> I remember my legs falling away from me. Really? The, the bottom half of my legs from the knees down suddenly stopped operating and I lay on the floor and I said to Clemmie, can you not talk to me for a little bit? Uh, And it was like, I'm not pregnant. Why am I reacting like this? It's pathetic. But I found it really hard to come to terms with because I had this idea of what the next few years in our lives was going to look like. We were going to move to London. We were going to do a bit of travelling before we did that. And we were going to start our careers and we were going to have the life that most people have at that age and go off and do things and use their expendable cash to go and have great fun. And suddenly, in the blink of an eye, things changed really quickly. One of the hardest things for me to overcome was to actually acknowledge that this was real to other people outside of Clemmie and I. Right. I really struggled with it because as soon as you say it to someone else, it's real. Mm -hmm. When it's just in the four walls between us, it's something that we're still, oh, is this happening or not? And the biggest deal was telling my parents. I remember going for Sunday roast round to their house. Clemmie was about 10 weeks at this point, showing... I couldn't make any more excuses about her having big lunches or anything. (laughs) Uh, So I'd gone round to the house. Clemmie kept nudging me. She's like, you've got to tell them. You've got to tell them. It's like, no, no, not yet. Not yet. We'll wait for dessert or something. (laughs) 
dessert came and went. <laughs> Suddenly, we were going home. We were in the car. No! <laughs> I hadn't, hadn't said anything. No! <laughs> we got back home and Clemmie had berated me all the way home. She, you've got to turn around and tell them because you, you, this is ridiculous. You've yeah. got to say that this is happening. I think I was afraid of what their reaction would be. Maybe I disappointed them. By this point, I was 23 and Clemmie was 22. And I thought this wasn't probably what they had planned for yeah. me either. I turned around and I finally went back and I made an excuse about getting some sports kit or something. And I sat my parents down and I said, I've got something to tell you. And I said, Clemmie and I are having a baby and we're going to make this work. The room fell silent. My dad mm. stood up and slowly walked towards me and jutted his hand towards me. And I thought, he's going to punch me. But it was a handshake and a oh. hug to say, I love you and I'll support you in whatever you do. And we're so happy. And then suddenly this weight that was on my shoulders about whatever you want to call mm. it lifted. And I didn't feel like I was alone anymore. And Clemmie and I were unable to talk about things more openly because I could actually acknowledge that this was this was where our life was going. We were yeah. going down a different path to where we planned. But now I look back, it's kind of silly to think that I was thinking that way. But, you know, you have a certain image of how your life is going to be at a certain age. And that wasn't on the cards for me. <laughs> it's a long, winding journey to get here. But no, yeah. I wouldn't change it. No, no, I can't stop with babies now. So I think Clemmie might have something to say about that. <laughs> And how was it having your first, that, that moment that you actually met your first daughter? Oh, that was overwhelming. Being married to a midwife, I'm a bit more aware of what my role should be. Right? Yeah, yeah. And being an active birth partner and mm -hmm. doing all that kind of stuff. So once I got over the fact I'm having a child, I actually got really involved in prenatal classes. Do you and... think that helped? Yes, to a degree. I think there were some things that were helpful. Some were just aimed at the mums. And yeah. it was like we were there to say that we were there, basically, yeah. to support. But we weren't really doing anything like breastfeeding workshops. I'm not going to get my nipples out and start you know, <laughs> lactating. It's not going to help. Anyway, <laughs> but it, it, it was good to actually meet other guys who were going through the same thing. Mm. I do remember one guy who turned up hung over, really badly hung over, and basically slept through the whole class. And his wife was burning laser beams into his head. And I thought, thank God I'm not that guy. That's quite good. I found it useful to kind of upskill, if you know what I mean. When it actually came to the labour, I knew roughly what I was supposed to be doing. But as I mentioned, my defensive technique when I'm stressed is to crack jokes. When Clemmie was in the pool and kind of getting nice and relaxed and serene, I was kind of pouring water over her back and it was going well. And then I broke the silence by saying, oh, it's just like pouring gravy over a big fat turkey. <laughs> the look from the midwives... <laughs> They wanted to scratch Did my Clemmie eyes out. Did Clemmie just not hear it? Oh, no, she heard it. She oh, reared gosh. up like a killer whale and just splashed me. I was like, don't say that, I'm in labour! I was like, oh, sorry, I didn't mean it. I was just that kind of nice making a joke. That moment. Yeah, left. exactly, I ruined it. But yeah. then Anya turned up and Clemmie is very much an advocate for active birth, so she was hanging off my belt at this point. Then suddenly... I was kind of involved in the delivery as well. And the first thing I did and the first thing Clemmie told me about was skin to skin. Yeah. And it makes such a difference to me to be able to have that bonding moment. So any photos you might have seen of me, I'm I'm topless. It's not because I like showing my hairy torso to the midwife and stuff. It's because I was doing skin to skin with my daughter. And that was the, the most amazing moment to look at this thing that Clemmie has produced for me, basically, yeah. which is really strange but I did say thank you for doing this for us and that was the first words I said to Clemmie when Anya turned up and then suddenly you're, you've got a baby and you're leaving hospital and there's no medical staff around anymore or someone to tell you what to do and I had that presumption once again Clemmie being a midwife she knows yeah. 
She's going to know what to do with a baby, surely. Midwives only deal with the labour bit. They don't actually deal with the hospital. They never leave the hospital <laughs> no, with the no, baby. No, no, exactly. So I was kind of like, well, so we got home, plumped down on the uh, on the sofa in her car seat. And I was like, so what do we do now? And she comes, I don't know. I've got no idea. <laughs> so, so kind of just walked around, made some tea. And I think the first night that I had with Anya, Clemmy went to bed and Anya was a little bit restless. So I probably made a really terrible decision. I watched Terminator 2 and had a beer while she lay in the laundry basket next to me. So whether that's had an effect on her development, I don't know. We'll see if she's got violent... Are there any personality quirks? Uh, Possibly. I don't know if she has violent tendencies. We'll see going forward or has the ability to time travel. We'll wait and see. It must have been really um, a strange period of time because I've read that you were the first amongst your friends to yeah. become parents. Yeah. So this, you've had this massive life-changing experience. Mm. Life is never going to be the same. But people around you... Carry on living their lives. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, especially because my friends are guys in the main mm. part. And... 23-year-old guys don't think about babies that much. Their way of helping was to post some baby socks through my letterbox (laughs) at about 2am after a night out. Nice. Um, So that went well. Love to know where they found them. No idea. (laughs) The ones that have helped over the time have been my closest friends who have been the godparents afterwards as well. They've really helped by just helping us more than helping with the children. So if a shop needs to be done or they want to bring around something or just spend some time with us which is really nice, so you don't have to just spend it with a baby all the time because it can be quite isolating. Those first couple of weeks when you've got a child, I know there's lots of visitors, but when they disappear, it is just you guys. And in my case, paternity leave was over. It's only a two-week window. Mm. So I was back to work, and Clemmy was left on her own. And that can be really hard to deal with, and you don't realise how important those friends are around you to help buoy you up, especially if you're struggling, especially first time round. And I didn't help things with Anya. This isn't in the book. I don't know why I didn't put it in, but I think I might have blanked it from my memory. Okay. But it's quite a big thing that I should have put in. We moved to London when Anya was five weeks old. Right. And found this job that I really wanted. And I went into work and they said, oh, this is great. Did the initial training. You're going on secondment to Holland for four months. So you'll fly out on a Monday and you'll come back on a Friday. So Anya was six weeks old at this point. Clemmy was in a basement flat in Herne Hill, didn't know anyone in the area. And I flew off to nice hotels in Holland, worked there for five days a week and then came back. And I did that for four months. So I felt really bad about that because it put Clemmy in a really bad place. And it was my fault. But also I didn't feel like I had the strength to say no. It must have been a really difficult... It was. And Clemmy and I talked about it and it was... We didn't have money. We didn't have any money. We had just moved to London. We were paying more rent than we were used to in Bristol. Clemmy's maternity leave pay was okay. It was Mm. a statutory kind of pay. We needed more money. And I didn't feel at the age of 24 I could say to my new employer who I'd worked with for a week, by the way, I can't travel. I've got a baby at home. And I think it's going to put my family in a bad place. I just didn't feel like I had the strength to do that. And it's one of those regrets that I wish if I'd gone back now in time to be able to say, no, that's not going to work. Or let's work out a different arrangement. Because that's where we're going now with flexible working and all that kind of stuff. I work from home four days a week. And that has worked because I had the confidence to speak to my employer about it. And it works for us. Mm. But every family is different. Everyone's got a different rhythm to work to. It's important that that flexible working stuff keeps coming forward and we keep making progress with it. How did that affect your bond with Anya and your relationship with Clemmy being away for that period of time? 
It's hard to say because I don't know what it would have been otherwise. Yeah. I have an extremely strong bond with Anya and perhaps I'm making up for lost time, I guess. In the first four months, I guess that I don't know how much formation or formative relationship making there is mm-hmm. because essentially they are just a baby and they're very reliant on the mother yeah. for feeding and all that kind of stuff. So, But maybe that's why I really threw myself into parenting with Anya when she got older, with Marnie when she came along and with the twins because I've realised that really in terms of the world and what we're doing parenting is one of those things that you really can be great at and it's something that we should strive to be great at and be involved in our children's development because they're going to be here after we've gone and we need to do a good job of setting them up do you find it as a dad i feel like it's really changed over the years and i don't know whether that's just because we're now in it and experiencing it and but it's very different to our parents when they yeah when we were growing up i don't know about your situation but for both me and tom are dads went out and worked and our mums were there with us yeah you very much i know you work full-time from home Mm. but you really break that mold i don't know if i break the mold i think i maybe give a face to the the new wave of dads out there yeah because i think more people are trying to get the balance that countries like scandinavia have got where they've got a better balance of work-life balance and Mm. dads being in the home but a lot of this comes down to equality and in a strange way, feminism. Feminism, for me, is about equality. It's equality. It's not right? just about women, yeah. Exactly. And if we want that to work, then we need more women in the workforce to be able to aspire to get those good jobs where we can close the gender pay gap. But similarly, we need more men to be involved in home life mm-hmm. so that those spaces open up and that we, there's a balance, there's an equality. And we're seeing where more women are coming into the workplace now and trying to get those higher-paid jobs, and we're closing the gap slowly but surely. But the dad movement back into the home hasn't quite happened yet. And I think some of that is down to the policies that are in place. I wish I'd taken advantage of shared parental leave, but I didn't have the courage to do it. It was still really early. It was after the It was very early. And it's kind of this thing, if you're the first one to do it, then you're trying it out for everyone else and you're not sure how it's going to work and is it financially viable for us? I wish I had done it because it it would have made sense for our family and I would have been able to dedicate more time to my children and help Clemmy and maybe balance the stresses that she was going through. And it would also help a lot of dads understand what it's like to be a mum at home Mm. on your own because that can be quite isolating and hard work. We'll see where we get to with that, but it's I take my hat off to anyone that's doing it. And I've met a few people on my book tour that have done it. And little trailblazers like that, it's a great thing and we should be talking more about that. And businesses should be doing more about supporting it as well. It's one of those things, isn't it? It's happening slowly. Yeah, it just needs a, a, a number of people to make it the norm rather than this niche thing that someone's taking. But a lot of guys see it as career suicide as well, because in the same way when women go on maternity leave, and I'm sure they worry about their careers, mm. dads are now thinking, well, if I take this, does that mean the 26-year-old who's now just started is going to take my job because he doesn't have family commitments and he's going to take my responsibilities? It's all the same worries, yeah. but just from a different perspective. Can you remember back to your first day of just having it on your own? I think it might be when she covered herself in the contents of her nappy. <laughs> Clemmy was out. It was one of those evenings. This is the one that sticks in my mind. It might not have been the first, but Clemmy was out. Like, I just had enough. I need to go out and see some friends. And I was like, oh, that's fine. Don't worry about it. You go and do what you need to do. And I was slowly petrified inside. I was like, I'm in charge of another human being now. Not a responsibility I'd had before. But it was okay. And Annie was in a bouncer, kind of watching television. And I was in the kitchen making something. And I had a direct line of sight. But I took my eye off the ball. And I was like, what is that smell? I don't remember cooking with 
poo. I remember that in <laughs> no, Exactly. <laughs> and I walked into the living room and she'd taken her nappy off and was lying on the floor, just covered in her own production. I rang Clemmy. I was like, what, what do I do? She said, just wipe her down. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. I got... That would make sense. Yeah, exactly. I didn't really think this through. And I've now made her think that I'm a completely incompetent imbecile. So, But every child that you have, you have those stories. Where... But that's what I love, because you telling that and following you on Instagram now, it just makes you realise that it doesn't matter how experienced a parent is. No. That child will always surprise you. Yeah, exactly. Everyone is individual. They've all got their own minds. They're all mm. going to test you in a certain way. I mean, the twins are a completely different test altogether because there's two of them and they just go in opposite directions and they lie about who they are and I still Do they? Uh, it's really annoying because I think people on Instagram think I'm joking, but I really can't tell them apart. <laughs> and there is a way, but it involves them being naked. Right. And it's just going to get more and more embarrassing as they get older. Do you mind just stripping off? No, Dad, this is really bad. I'm graduating from university. You've got to stop this. They just kind of test us. But there have been moments where I'll say, right, which one are you? You're Delilah. And she'll go, yes. And then the other one will go, no, I'm Delilah. <laughs> no, right. Oh, God, you're not helping me in any way. They do just become a collective, even like the boys, for mm. me, they are the boys. The boys, yeah. Someone had a go at me the other day and said, you should stop referring to them as the twins, because they're individuals. I was like, well, yeah, I guess, but does it matter that much? And they like to identify as the twins. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe they've got a point, but for the time being, when I refer to them, they are the twins. There's so many people knocking around in my family. I can't yeah. individually name them because I'll be here for days. <laughs> I mean, my dad just fires all names at us. Yeah, when yeah, he's yeah. talking to us, it's everyone. It's that my mum, who's his ex-wife. That you is know? a standard <laughs> dad thing. Yeah. And your money, Clemmy, uh, whoever you are, come here. <laughs> He'll get there eventually. My dad did it to you. me when I was growing up. He's like, which one are you? Like Now, now I phone him. He's like, hi, Charlie. No, it's Simon. Don't worry. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we've been speaking for 35 years, but you still can't recognise my voice, but never mind. <laughs> I don't think a collective is an issue. You must be seeing differences in their behaviour and stuff yeah. now and, yeah, and exactly. who they are, their personalities. and. Yeah, exactly. I still, <laughs> I have to be told which one's the one that's more mouthy <laughs> because then I can't remember. Maybe I need to pay more attention, I don't know. But the most frustrating thing is that the girls can all tell them apart now. Oh, really? Anya Armani can tell them, Clemmy can tell them, it's just me now. And the twins can tell them of a self part, obviously. But um, yeah, so I, I just need to get on with it. But I can see the character differences. Yeah. And weirdly, they are mirroring their older sisters. Okay. So one is very much Anya, one is very much Marnie. So the one that's more like Marnie, is she closer to Marnie? And like... Yeah, I think they both spend more time with a, a different sibling. Yeah. But Anya's got to that age where she's 11 going on 15, so she spends a lot of time in her room yeah. like playing on a screen, which I'm forever trying to confiscate. And like, can you be part of the family, please? That would be nice. Yeah. Like, or calling her down for dinner and waiting 15 minutes and calling her again and your food's cold and I'm throwing it away. Three, <laughs> two, one, a half, a quarter, come on. A whole new learning experience. Yeah, it must feel like you've got to a certain place and now everything's changed. The rules have changed. Yeah. Well, I'm still doing the old world stuff as well with the twins, so I'm still balancing it out. So I've got the, the new world of stuff that I'm learning about teenage girls, yeah. which is a whole new kettle of fish that I'm just kind of struggling with. Mm. But when she's on her own, she's the Anya that I know and love, but when she's around other people or her friends, then she acts in a slightly different way. Yeah. And there's also this need to grow up really quickly now, and I don't understand it. I don't remember being a child of Anya's age thinking, God, I need to be 18. I need yeah. to get on with life. No, enjoy childhood, because you only get it once. 
But I also think that's an adult thing, isn't it? We understand how important childhood is and all the joys of it. But I think when you're in it and you're looking at older people, you're like, I want to be doing that. Yeah, exactly. I suppose it's rose-tinted glasses from our perspective. But it's one of those things that I'm trying to slow down. Yeah. And I think that was one of the impetuses behind our move out of London as well. Yeah, because you're quite rural yeah. now, aren't you? Well, relatively so. Yeah, we're seaside now. Yeah. That was one of my worries, that growing up in a city, you tend to grow up quicker and maybe exposed to things that might be a bit more adult, a bit quicker, I don't know. Maybe I'm naive and maybe she's going to be exposed to the same stuff when, now that we've moved. But... That was the whole, another thinking that one, we need space, but two, I want them to have a bit more of a relaxed childhood to slow down a little bit and kind of enjoy what they've got at the moment. It's difficult, isn't it, working out how you're going to navigate through each bit? I've got no idea. There's no map, there's no guide. I'm kind of making it up. But I think that maybe if I write a second book, it might be a reflective one when they are maybe 18, looking back to say, how did I navigate that? So that might be the second one. But what's interesting, so reading the first one, you say about how first time around you wanted it to seem like you knew what you were doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No one likes to fail. No. No. Whereas now you're very open about not knowing what you're doing. Do you know what? It took so much effort pretending that everything was perfect. Yeah. I just thought, well, sod this. There's no way I'm carrying on doing that. But it's this competitive parenting thing that existed. Oh, well, my little Terence is learning Japanese and he's two and a half. I don't care. I don't care. (laughs) Stop saying stuff to show off yeah. it doesn't matter oh yeah well philip is sleeping through she sleeps for 14 hours a day fantastic that's great for you but i shouldn't compare myself to you because we have different lives different setups and what might work for you is not necessarily going to work for me mm. and it took me a while to figure out that parents do this and they don't mean to do it to be hurtful it's just they're proud of what they've achieved yeah but you can't compare yourself to everyone all the time and that's one of the things that i wanted to do through my Instagram, would say, it's okay to fail. I've got four kids. I fail on a regular basis. I'm still learning. But if there's a way that you can pick up something from my content to say that, one, you're not going through this on your own. It happens all the time. But two, there might be a lesson to be learned from the way that I've handled it or not handled it. Mm -hmm. Then that's why I've done it. And there's a benefit to it. So, yeah. Parenting is just a never-ending journey. My parents are still learning now when I'm 35. And and that's yeah. such an important point because I yeah. think we've had guests on who have got slightly older children mm. and hearing from them that they still don't know what they're doing. Yeah, of course. It's so important. Exactly. I mean, I think about what my parents are just turning around 70, 75. They've got three different children in very different life stages mm. now. So I've got four kids. They've got four grandchildren. My brother works in a Formula One team travelling around the world. My sister lives in East London doing creative stuff. And so we all have our own set of problems that we go to them with now, but they're a bit more grown-up problems, I guess. But even though when we all get together, we still act like children. I don't know why that happens. We all regress. I love it, though. Yeah, we all regress. (laughs) There's a comfort in it. Yeah, yeah. My mum steps into the the role that she was when I was 12, making way too much food for everyone, organising games. It's like, Mum, I'm 35. But yeah, OK, I'll come and play tag. That's fine. <laughs> Is there a part of your childhood that you're really keen on bringing into your family life? Yeah, well, I think anything that's actually not looking at a screen. I think a lot of my childhood was being outdoors. We lived in the West Country, about 10 miles outside of Bristol. So I had the opportunity to just go off and explore on my own. And I want my children to have that freedom to be able to feel safe. And I know in today's society, we all worry about the safety of our children and can they go out and do stuff? Well, there has to be this independence to children as well. It's not they can't be mollycoddled the whole time. Mm. We can't just wrap them up in cotton wool. I think it's a really important developmental part of anyone growing up is that they get some time to be themselves. 
And when I say that, I don't mean locked in a room looking at an iPad. I mean actually going out and exploring something. So that's one of the things that I really want the girls to have is a little bit of independence, like being able to walk down the street to go and see your friend Mm -hmm. or going to the shops when you're 12 or 13, whatever it is, or getting the bus to school on your own. Those little things are really important developmental steps and they kind of help you feel more responsible as you grow up. So those are the things I would like to try and introduce. Right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I can see that you are doing that on Instagram hmm. just because I don't know when it's if it's whenever you have the girls things go a little bit more wild yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but that's because my primary focus around the kids is having fun yeah Clemmy's primary focus is to make sure they are organized and clean yes so as a team we work quite well together when one parent is removed then the other element that the other parent brings is the more prevalent one. Yeah. So for me, it's kind of wreck the house and who cares? It's fine. Let's just kind of but smash it up. But it's that exploration, isn't it? They're free to explore. Yeah. And I think because our youngest are so close in age, it has been fun to see you and Clemmy and your journey yeah. having the twins. <laughs> because even though you've been there before, yeah. twins is a different kettle of fish. Yeah. And, and just reminding ourselves oh, isn't that amazing? Yeah. That they just, the kitchen is there to explore, you know, in a a safe way, obviously. People do make comments like, oh, your house is always so clean. It's not really. I mean, (laughs) I show you one corner that Clemmy will let me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I think Clemmy is quite a cleanliness freak and she really likes cleaning. In fact, she gets anxiety about not having it clean, whereas I'm the complete opposite. I Mm. really couldn't care about that. So that sometimes grates because obviously she's on at me to clean the house and get on with stuff and, I really want to focus on making sure that the girls are having fun. And I probably should rein that back a little bit and do more to help out. I realise that. But similarly, she needs to loosen up a little bit to come and have fun with the family. So there's this constant battle and neither of us change. So that's why we work together, I think. When When we're together, it kind of works out. And we share the workload because that's the most important thing is sharing the workload especially with the twins. When the twins came along and Clemmy stopped breastfeeding and then I could get involved with the feeding, Clemmy and I actually slept in separate rooms for three or four months. Oh, really? Yeah, so I would take one twin and then Clemmy would take the other one. So she would do one feed in one room and I'd do the other one because they would wake each other up and we yeah. just wouldn't get any sleep. We'd both be walking zombies the next day. And so I was in the spare room and I kind of developed a, a way of feeding I don't want to go downstairs to make bottles. I really can't be bothered with that. There must be a parenting hack that I can kind of make up. So I made the bottle before going to bed and they would wake up about 2.30 in the morning. I thought, okay, how do I keep this warm? So I kept it between my thighs 
because I thought that's going to keep it at body temperature, isn't it? That's probably a good idea. And it and it worked for a couple of days until I forgot to see the lid up. And then I woke up and I thought I'd had a wet dream. <laughs> I was like, I've got warm milk in my crotch. And then, the, the, so yeah, well, I had to change the plan and, and come up with another way of doing that. But you live and learn, right? You You've do. got to try these things out. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it was divide and conquer and try things that see if they work yeah. and yeah but maybe do the cap up if you're gonna try and follow me so with Anya obviously it was a very uh, big surprise did your knees go when you found out about Marnie no so weirdly the process has been surprised planned and then the last two were surprised and planned at the same time because yeah. obviously we planned for the third but got the fourth surprise so and obviously you found that out at the same time I imagine you were both there the first scan to find out that it was twins well we didn't quite find out that way no oh, really how did you find out well so originally the first scan we went sorry we were going to talk about money but I'll, I'll go with the twins at the moment when we found out the twins were coming along the first scan showed one baby right and there was like a baby eclipse in the background a shadow yeah lurking about to mug the other bee. <laughs> so we were like, he said, uh, well, I don't want to worry you, but it might be twins. But you'll need to come back in two weeks to find out. So, so now I've got two weeks of worrying about whether we've got twins or not and not knowing. Clemmie came back in and she was working that day so she could get the scan done. And I couldn't make it because I was in a, an office meeting. And so Clemmie went on her own and found out. And it turned out it was twins. But she let me know with two emoji pictures of babies that was how I found out I was having twins. So they're not just a text. Yeah. Emojis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just <laughs> I don't want to say anything or speak to him. Just two pictures of baby heads. That's nice. And I was in the meeting and I immediately came out in a flop sweat. And I was like, Phew. oh, God. Did you get it in the meeting? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I was kind of sat there. I was like, oh, oh, my God. <laughs> right, I'm going to have to go now. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was that was a surprise. And it kind of brought back memories of... Having Anya, I was thinking, oh my, yeah. god, oh my God, what are we going to do? I think we actually cried. Um, I remember sitting on the sofa crying, thinking, why? Why? Why yeah. is this happening to us? But we slowly got to terms with it. And I think Clemmie introduced us to a couple of people who've had twins as well. We went around for dinner and actually spoke to people face to face about what their experience was like. And it suddenly became less scary again knowing someone else had gone through it, yeah. that you can manage it, that it is stressful, but there are ways around it. And so, uh, yeah, that's how we kind of ended up with the twins. I actually forgot in labour that Clemmie was having twins. So it, they don't come out side by side, just in case you want to know. There is a, it's, more, it's more of a train yeah. kind of thing. One turns up and then there's a wait and then there's another one. And so I think Otty came along first. No, Delilah came along first. And I was holding... <laughs> it's always going to be that. This one, oh no, it was that one. Yeah, but, I mean, Clemmie's going to listen to this and she's going to turn around to me while she's listening. It. Why do you not know who was born first? Anyway, whoever it was turned up first and I was holding Delilah. Delilah. We'll go with Delilah. And I was like, this is amazing. And I was holding a baby and I was like, Simba, Lion King, lift me up. Yeah, great. And I'd forgotten there was a second baby coming along because you get so absorbed yeah. in the first one. And I was like, oh, baby, well done. That's congratulations. And then the uh, midwife was like, oh, the second one's she's come now. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, there's two. <laughs> I really had genuinely forgotten. And there was, uh, suddenly, in about 15 minutes' time, Clemmie had both of them on her chest. I was like, 
wow, this is really, really, really yeah. real now. And I, we kind of had to get them back to their home. I'd actually only brought one car suit as well. <laughs> to go and buy one very hastily. <laughs> Did you have two at home and just left one behind? No, no, or? no, I just hadn't bought the second one. Because this is my way of dealing with things. I don't acknowledge them. It's fine. And then I'll make jokes about it later. Um, I also needed to buy a new car. These are the things that you don't think yeah. about. But things that filled my head were when we have babies, I think about the logistics. Whereas Clemmie's probably more focused on the development of her body. Yeah. I think about all the tangible things that I can try and sort out. And so we'd had an estate car. But now we have six children. Oh, no, six, a family of six. Oh, my God, no, we don't have six children. <laughs> we have a family of six. So that means we now have to get like an SUV or yeah. like a people carrier kind of thing. But I didn't want to say goodbye to the nice car that I had. And I found it really sad. So I didn't oh. put it up for sale. I just left it and left it and left it. <laughs> so we were, for a while, we were driving around in a car that was too small for us. <laughs> and I was like, you've got to sell the car. One person's going to have to walk, guys. Who's well, it going to be? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, so I thought... How often are we really going to be in the car together as All a six? the time. Well, it turns out quite a lot, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I thought maybe if we just don't, I'll stay at home. We don't need to get a new car. <laughs> I you take everyone. I love the idea of going out with four kids. Didn't really last very long. So, yeah, <laughs> now we've got the kind of big people carrier thing. And But it, who knows, I might have to upgrade that one at some point. And now I'm attached to this one, so I won't be able to get rid of it. I think cars is something that you really don't think about yeah. when you're having kids. I do. All the kids need an Isofix. Yeah, Isofix. Cars don't no one have... knows about Isofix no. if you don't have a kid. No, it's crazy, <laughs> it's just, isn't it? It's just that annoying bar in the middle of the back of the seat. Yeah. But yeah, it's really important. I didn't realise when I was putting the car seat in, that's how you were supposed to fix them. So the first time, I didn't I didn't read the instructions. Yeah. Well, I didn't even read those. I can't be beaten by a car You're so seat. so above that. Yeah, exactly. I'm a man. I can beat a car seat. Put it in and then it, I realised that all those noises that I'd been hearing in the area were Dad's fitting car seat because I was now making those noises. Um, and I was trying to get the lap strap across and then I thought, oh, this isn't working. And then Clemmy came out, it's got Isofix. What is that? So you just clip it in. Oh, OK. So easy. If I'd read the instructions, maybe I might have known. We that, only but. knew about it because Prince William, when he came out of the hospital the first time around with George, mm. he just, you know, he'd obviously been practising at home. Yeah. I opened the car door, slotted him in. I'm like, what is that? Magical contraption. <laughs> I thought for a moment you were going to say, we only found out about Isofix because Prince William came round and he fitted our car seat. <laughs> I'm not that flashy. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> That's a good link to have. I'm nice not job. that connected. No, no. But it's good to think that it could go there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I ask my mum and dad regularly and other parents of like my parents' generation how they transported us around. Yeah. None of them can remember car seats or anything no. at all. Seat belts, what are they? Don't worry about those. My dad told me that he, because there was no drink, drink driving rules at some point, he like took mum, this was before we were around, obviously, but he took mum for New Year's Eve down in Plymouth and they had like a bottle of gin and then just drove back on the motorway. So what? What are you talking about? That's so insane. Yeah. And the lasting memory of cars I have when I was a kid, we had a blocky Volvo estate car. They looked like a breeze block on wheels and it had black leather seats that would burn you in the sun. So you get into the car and it would stick to you and they had rear-facing seats. That's a lasting memory yeah, of yeah, childhood. Yeah. Like looking out the back down the motorway going, mm-hmm, look at other people as they're following you. That's probably a reason why those rear-facing seats yeah. died out because everyone That's else was so getting funny, annoyed. Because a mutual friend that we have, Holly de Cruz, we went to infant school together one of my earliest memories with Holly is sitting in the back of her car. It's why we were friends, a big part of it. And waving at people, she had one of those cars. We used to wave. rear-facing seat. Yeah, yeah, she did. So going back to Marnie, because I feel like, so first time round, big shock. Twins, obviously, big shock, a lot to deal with. Yeah. 
with Marnie, was there an element of being able to actually really enjoy it? Yes, and because we were more prepared. We knew what we yeah. were doing. We'd got the experience with Anya. And this time we knew that there was a baby on the way because we were trying to have a baby, yeah. which makes such a huge difference. I think the thing that I hadn't seen coming was bringing a, a baby home to a child. And yeah. that relationship was something that was new and I hadn't thought through because I just assumed that they, Annie would be really happy. Like, oh, I've got, got a little baby sister. Perfect. Ah, someone to play with. Didn't quite work like that. Yeah. Like, it was nice to start with. But after a week, Anya said, are you going to put her back on the train now? Because she thought we'd gone to the train station <laughs> to get her. <laughs> and, this uh, has been fun and all, but yeah, it's yeah, nice yeah. she left. You're kind of cramping my style, actually. <laughs> I used to get all the attention, now I'm not getting any. So that's um, one of the things that we've had to overcome. But I think we were a lot more confident. We knew what we were doing. And we had our lives in order as well. Mm. Clemmy was a bit more embedded in her career in midwifery. I was still in the same job. I was a bit more established. I knew what I was doing. And we worked out routines that worked for us. So we could make our life work for us and we knew who was taking Anya to nursery or who was going to be doing the picking up or where Marnie might be going if she was getting looked after by a grandparent or whatever. Yeah. I can't underestimate the help of grandparents, by the way. I know they didn't sign up for being childminded, <laughs> but it's an increasingly common thing that grandparents yeah. are getting involved in bringing up the next generation yeah. of children. So, so yeah, it's one of those things that we kind of got our head around and, and learned. We, the, the learning curve was a lot easier to overcome with the second one. And I felt a lot more involved as well because I didn't feel like I was such a klutz, basically. I, I kind of knew what I was doing, and it was just being a bit more hands-on, I think, mm. and not so scared. That's the thing. You can pick up a baby the second time around and kind of throw them around a bit. Like well, They don't oh, seem quite so fragile in no, a exactly. way, because you know... Well, the first one's cotton wool. Oh, God, I'm just going to pop you down here. <laughs> don't cry, though, please. <laughs> Be careful. And the second one, yeah, just over the shoulder. You're chatting to someone on the phone or doing whatever. You can multitask a bit yeah. more, whereas you used to be just sole focus on a baby. And now that I've got four, so they kind of... Well, actually, Anya and Marnie look after Ottilie and Delilah. Are they really helpful? Yeah, they. Mm. I mean, they watch television with them. So I mean, if that class is <laughs> really looking good. after them, then, yeah. Um, no, that's not fair. They do take them on the trampoline and they play with them. And it's like having little childminders around. Yeah, It's a job they didn't sign up for, by the way. But, I mean, they are really good at it. So I've got to say a big thank you to them. Because otherwise, Clemmy and I would really struggle, I yeah. think. One thing that you say in the book, and actually you talked about it a little bit earlier, about saying about all the girls and the statistics and stuff. Mm. Um, you say in the book how you're asked a lot about being disappointed that you don't have a boy. Yeah. And you say how that actually undermines your love for the girls and the part that they yeah. play in your life. It's weird that some people see my life as incomplete if I yeah. don't have a boy. It's a strange thing to say. And I know I know when I, when I started out on this journey... I love the idea of a boy. Yeah. That would be great because you, you're a boy. I am a boy. I know what I'm about and I yeah. can bring up a little version of me and we can do the same things and we can dress the same and <laughs> go and play football and stuff. It doesn't quite work like that, no. but that's how it was in my head. But then people ask the question, oh, you can try for a boy. No, I know what I'm doing. I've got the girls and it doesn't matter what sex they are. I've got, no. These are my children and I'm happy with whatever I've got. And to be honest with you, if that boy ever did come along... He'd be so left out. He'd be buried in <laughs> glitter and, you know, pink fairy clothes and makeup. So My brother had that and he just had two older sisters. I think it's a good thing that he hasn't showed up, let's put it that way. <laughs> if you could go back and give your 23-year-old self advice, that, that young man whose knees were buckled mm. by the news, what would you say? I think 
it would be don't compare yourself to others. I know I mentioned it before, yeah. but that was my thing to start with because I didn't know what parenting was about. The only benchmarks that I had were my own parents, which were who were great and gave me lots of advice and a guidance. But you kind of look around to the antenatal classes mm. and the um, the other classes that you end up going to or the meet and greets with other mums and dads in the areas, and you start to compare yourself yeah. with them. They've bought that pram, I should have that, and blah, blah, blah. Everyone's life is different. Do the best you can do. Focus on you and focus on your family and try not to compare yourself to others because the facade that you might see is probably not the reality. Everyone struggles, even if they make out it's easy. It's not. Do you think, on some level, you sharing stuff now, it's almost for that 23-year-old? It absolutely is, yeah. The book was aimed at men and women. I, mm. I wanted women to be able to read it to understand a male perspective of parenting, but for men to read it to understand, I'm going through this with you, but, and also, if you're going through this the first time, maybe you can learn stuff from me, because... I messed up a lot and you, you can figure out what you can take from it. And some of the messages that I've had are from dads, first time dads who are like, I, I was really worried about this and I'm about to have my first child, but I've read your book and I've, it's made it not so scary anymore because I know that someone else has gone through it and I'm actually in the same situation as you. My friends haven't had children yet, so I'm the first one. And it's knowing someone out there has gone through this before makes it not so scary. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm glad I managed to get it down on paper, even though it kind of meant that I didn't sleep for nine months. So. Oh, I know that feeling. <laughs> yeah, I bet you do. <laughs> um, what has been the biggest surprise so far in, in parenthood? My own patience. I've got more patience than I thought I had, ever. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Maybe I should break a little bit earlier sometimes to give Clemmie a break. But um, I seem to let things just go and go and go. And I can deal with the stress a lot better than I thought I could. I think the other thing that could just surprise me is the children are really funny. They are, they're really funny. And they don't intend to be. They just say stupid things or do silly things. And then I find myself laughing along. I think they may have reduced my humour levels down to toilet <laughs> humour as well. I, or maybe it never left there, I don't know. But it, uh, they're just really funny people to be around. I, I like spending my time with them. If I had a choice, I would be there because that's fun. Although I'm saying that now. I mean, I'm, I'm meeting my friends after this because I've actually traded in some brownie points to go and oh, get wow. a pink slip. So I've got to say that that's one thing that you and Clemmy do really, really well. Mm. You make sure you have date nights, but you also both have time for yourselves. Yes. I think that's important because if you lose sight of who you are before you came to a relationship, then you kind of lose a sense of why you're doing this and you get stuck with being just parents. Yeah. We're not just parents. We we all have our hopes and dreams and ambitions and things that we want to do with our lives and we've given each other space to be able to do that and kind of follow through and follow our dreams a little bit. So it's been an incredible journey when I look back at it for in the entirety of its 12 years. But I mean, in hindsight, it's been incredible. Yeah, I, yeah that, sounded, that sounded bad, didn't it? No, no, no. <laughs> it kind of did because it makes it sound like I just think it's been awful, but it hasn't. But it's like one of those holidays that you go on and you're not appreciating it at the time. But as yeah. soon as you land back at Heathrow, you're like, actually, that was really good. Yeah, life changing exactly. experience. <laughs> yeah. I think we're about to go on one of those holidays next oh, week. Really? <laughs> yeah. Amazing. <laughs> um, well, I, I've got to go to the final three questions. So you've well, it's not really questions. I start a sentence and you end it. Okay. Being a dad means? Setting the best example I can for being a man to my girls. Since having children, I? Don't sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a lot less sleep. I've got used to it. 
I genuinely sleep for four and a half, five hours a night. And that's, but I mean, you probably know this as well. I'm the worst enemy of myself. I yeah. make myself busy. Like I could go to bed at 10 o'clock. I choose to go to bed at one or two because I yeah. like doing writing and Instagram and blah, 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 and all the other side projects. But I've noticed that, yeah, I can survive on a lot less sleep. And that's. Well, you're doing a lot of stuff on top of a full time job. Yeah, so it's kind of two full time job and four kids. Four kids, yeah. and you're doing everything else. Yeah. And I always joke that the only way I get everything done is not sleeping and not seeing any of my friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this is the first time I've seen these friends that I'm going to see this evening, maybe in half a year, a year. But when you're together, you'll be like you've been, you were there last week. Yeah, I know exactly. No, I'm looking forward to it. But um, yeah, it's it's one of those things. I need to probably get more sleep, but I'm just so tuned into having that amount of sleep now yeah. from having kids. Then that's what they've done to me, and that's also why the reason I look about fifty when I'm thirty-five. <laughs> no, you don't. Um, and uh, the final one is I'm happy when all of my children are laughing together. Oh, there's nothing like it, is there? Yeah. It's one of those days when we're out doing something as a family and we're laughing about nothing in particular and we're all just sat around together. I think, wow, this is really nice. It's usually followed by a fist fight. Or, <laughs> You've got to take that split-second yeah, moment yeah, exactly. for what it is. That's the photo that I'm taking in my mind. <laughs> yeah. That's the one I'm going to remember on my deathbed, yeah. not Anya getting smacked around the face with a spade. <laughs> oh, gosh. It's amazing though, isn't it? Yeah, it's a constant surprise every day. No day is the same when you have children. It may feel like it, but if you actually reflect upon it, everything is new. And the, seeing your children learn and develop and discover the world is quite a privilege. So I'm, I'm lucky that I get to see it four times over. That's beautiful. Thank you very much. Thank you for coming on. No, thank you for having me. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.